Brian I can't let you get away with this question that when a new person takes a charge uh, and and you did a few months back or was it last year uh you won't believe it but I joined on the 21st of November 2017 so it's oh, exactly okay. a year to the date right so it's probably a good day to do <laughs> thank you it's a good day to do this interview i guess for listeners we are doing this on the 21st uh, November so when you joined the team what was your vision for Forbes India now that you are a good one year into it what are the few things that you've introduced after having uh, taken charge i've been in the magazine uh, journalism field uh, for over quarter of a century okay that sounds really <laughs> like a long time and makes me feel really old but the fact is that i've, I've been around and seen the magazine world which uh, probably was more exciting 10 years ago than it is now i mean that's a, that's the truth what i can tell you is that the focus has been the focus has been not to do any rocket science or to reinvent the wheel right rather the focus has been to go back to the basics tell stories that deserve to be told report them thoroughly write them with good prose use some great photographs and we have some great photographers who do that and use more infographics to help tell the story a good example of this coming together was recently in a cover story on zomato so zomato now plans to supply vegetables meat and groceries to restaurant right it's 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 their own version of a farm to fork strategy Zomato of course is known more for I mean we order food and they deliver it to our households but now they're trying something different and want to supply uh, vegetables fruits meat groceries to restaurants to begin with it was a news break by a roving writer Rajiv Singh Rajiv actually traveled to a village near Bangalore to explore how Zomato is sourcing vegetables from farmers and warehousing them right so he visited the village he visited the warehouse so this was a story with some great reporting a great photograph that told the story we had zomato founders dipender goel in a farm with vegetables and fruits around him and he's tossing a tomato in the air and that kind of lent itself to this great headline fresh red zomatos so as i said it's not rocket science it's just good old school magazine journalism excellent and this issue particularly gives you a good excuse to do a little more of that regular listeners do know a little bit about it but tell us what is different this year as compared to the eight or the seven years in the past what's the methodology what's the selection process very briefly i think one thing that's certainly different is the cover in the previous years i think it was habitual and probably it's a good idea to have one good photograph of one of the winners one of the most prominent winners on the cover Right so this time I talked to our design director our creative director Anjan Das and I asked him what is what could we do differently this time right just to break the monotony and not because the previous covers lacked anything right so I said how could we kind of get all the nine winners on the cover together Anjan then came up with this idea of let's illustrate all of them right and we have a great illustrator on our team called Chaitanya Supur Uh, so he illustrated these nine ladies and gentlemen and and I think the cover looks fabulous I think right so that's uh, that's what's different about the cover 
We've tried to follow the methodology that's been underway for the last six years, and there's very little change in it. What's probably changed is that uh, we've we've tried to make it a mix of individuals as well as companies. For instance, we have uh, CEO of private sector, best CEO, multinational entrepreneur of the year. And we also have uh, winners of the best company in the public sector and the outstanding startup, which rewards the startup more than its founder. The process started some six months ago. We made long lists of companies, selecting them on the basis of their financials, caliber management and leadership. These long lists were made in nine in our nine award categories, as I said, for individuals and companies. Then we also we also looked at in inverted commas the good side of doing business, which is why we have the conscious capitalist award. It comes off as an oxymoron, doesn't it? Conscious capitalist. Conscious capitalist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we're trying to say, that even capitalists can have a conscience, right? So <laughs> a few of them have shown that, I mean, right from Bill, Bill Gates to Narayan Murthy to Azim Premji, right? You can make billions, but you can also give away billions. I think that's probably what this universe needs, some more, some more of conscious capitalism. And we also had the entrepreneur with social impact which is basically founders of businesses, founders or CEOs of businesses that are trying to do good, but not necessarily philanthropy, but they could be doing it for profit. There's a point of view that believes that, you know, I mean, if things are done for profit, the way they're done tends to be more efficient. Talk a little bit more about this, Brian, if you could, uh, given that we are on the subject of conscious capitalism and uh, the social impact. Who, whom did you award and uh, who are these companies and uh, why did they make the cut? My favorite year is, you know, this company called LabourNet. We gave the award to Gayatri Vasudevan, the CEO of LabourNet. She won it for Entrepreneur with Social Impact. So what has Gayatri done to deserve that award? Well, she's taken empowerment to another level. You know, I mean, we tend to, went to, tend to associate empowerment with employees, right? She's gone beyond the employee to the people in the informal sector. LabourNet is a for-profit that has so far enabled half a million livelihoods in the informal sector. The company has done so by bridging gaps in education, employment, and entrepreneurship. And and Vasudevan is is probably a fascinating story which Shyam Chakraborty, our writer in Bangalore, has captured, and it's a must read. I think everyone should read that. She's a city girl from Bangalore, and and she also studied in Delhi in one of the convent schools there. But, you know, so what made Vasudevan chuck all that and instead of taking the regular route to probably IIM and a corporate job. She, in fact, went and visited slums in Mumbai, earthquake struck Lathur, right? So that that probably set the stage for her to join LabourNet, where she is doing some amazing work in the informal sector. And so that's that's one story I particularly like. It's more relevant in India because nine out of 10 uh, people from the working population are employed in the informal sector. So yes, that's, that's yes. pretty big. I think it's she's a gritty character, as you rightly mentioned. I think I read uh, in there somewhere that... Uh, yeah, she crossed once upon a time a turbulent river on a buffalo to to yeah, research yeah. team on the other side. Yeah, that was literally a baptism by, I mean, not fire, but by water, probably. <laughs> yeah, but but I think she's come a long way from them. We need some more people like that, Rivasudevan. Right. And then you have uh, Narayana Health, uh, whom you've awarded the Conscious Capitalist of the Year. Yeah, that's a great example, and I mean, years of 
hospital providing the same services that any other hospital does. I mean, it competes with the Apollos and the Fortuses of the world, but somehow it manages to be more affordable than them, right? And it's not because they're, they're offering discounts. It's just plain efficiency, capitalism at work, entrepreneurship at work. I mean, it's purely through financial metrics and cost efficiencies that they're bringing down the tariffs. A remarkable story, actually. Absolutely. At 24 hospitals and over 6,100 beds, so by no means are they a small uh, organization. And yet, Dr. Raghuvanshi, in, in the article, he claims that their prices are up easily 25% lesser than those of the Apollos or the other private sector, which is quite commendable. Yes, Anshul, uh, another writer in Bangalore, has written a great story. It's well, it's a well-analyzed story on how they keep their operating costs under control. And I think one, sh- one has to read that on how this company became a almost 2000 crore company with 58 crore in profits i mean and still providing affordable health care right so so that's the conscious capitalism at work here you can make good profits and you can still be of uh, utility to the society at large talking about uh, being conscious and philanthropy uh, you have uh, mr azim premji uh, whom you've awarded the lifetime achievement trophy he's been around for decades i mean when i was in school in college and today He's still uh, up and about in the organization, if I'm not mistaken, is he? Oh, yes, he is. I mean, he's come a long way from in the 70s, what was uh, Wipro, right? It was uh, they were selling uh, vegetable oil. So it was Premji who took that decision to kind of, you know, make this what at that time would have been a radical kind of diversification into information technology. And and that was an industry that barely existed. I think TCS was a company that, that had just been founded probably maybe one or two years before them. Over the years, it's a story that's been told on how he's built this IT services Goliath. And today they're among the top five in the country. But what's remarkable is that uh, Mr. Premji is now still active on other fronts, right? I mean, uh, away from operations, he has, he has a family office that makes private equity investments. And as you said, he has a foundation, you know, which he's funded with $2 billion of his own wealth. As where Premji is concerned, it's literally been a lifetime of achievements and, and it needs uh, intelligence to earn money, but you also need a little bit more to know where to spend it. If you have the taste, if you have the intellect to, to fund ventures, to know which causes to right, run for right. instead of just building toilets across the country, meaning, you know, just, just going <laughs> for a stock. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a, that's, that's the difference in the philanthropy these days. It's not just about giving money and keeping your conscience at peace, right? It's, it's actually making your money talk. It's making your money and accountable, right? I mean, it's not just about giving donations. Yes. Uh, last couple of ones uh, before we, we end this, uh, Brian, is, is one particular mm-hmm. category that you picked, I, I quite liked, is the best CEO private sector that you gave to Rajiv Jain of uh, Bajaj Finance. Now, 72% of the consolidated profit of a uh, holding company, Bajaj FinServe, comes from Bajaj Finance. And I think it was Summer who had done a story around uh, EMIs, the whole concept of how Indian consumers are now having these EMI cards and buying everything from phones to washing machines on it and, and Bajaj Finance is right up there and it's it's a new business model and now today it's fueling a private uh, organization and it's good to see it's you know CEO being rewarded for it. Oh yeah what's even more remarkable is that uh, this is the time when the FN and in NBFC sector the entire NBFC sector uh, about 500 companies is, is kind of going through a you know liquidity crisis of, of sorts and all their stocks have been hammered but probably the stock that's been hit the least is Bajaj Finance. And that's because of this, you know, this wide range of services they produce, they kind of uh, provide to consumers, right from retail finance to auto finance, loan against securities, two-wheeler loans, personal loans, 
SME loans, commercial lending. So, I mean, it's it's virtually a bank out there, which is more efficient than many of the private banks around, if I may dare say. So I just wanted to touch upon one more company, which I thought is, you know, it's significant because I think when we think about Hindustan Unilever, we tend to say, oh, that company that makes locks, soaps and detergents, and we know, seem to know all about it. But Sanjeev Mehta, who's, who's our monthly national CEO of the year, he's done some pretty significant things, actually. He's chairman and managing director of Hindustan Lever, and he's kind of broken down the business. You know, he's broken it down into segments. The business units are now segmented. He splits regions into smaller zones. And he's actually moved decision-making down one level, you know. So many of the category managers in HUL are virtually CEOs of mid-cap companies. And Samad Srivastava has written this story, and I think people should read it, on how HUL and how Sanjeev Mehta has helped build a mini army of leaders, you know, with complete autonomy over day-to-day operations. You know? So that's a sure winner. And that's you know that came as a pleasant surprise because, I mean, for journalists like me who've been around for so long, we tend to think of Hindustan and Unilever through those traditional prisms. But but today it's a radically different company and more power to Sanjeev Mehta. Right, absolutely. Any other highlights, uh, Brian, before we wrap this up uh, that you would like to talk about? Maybe I'll just touch upon the startup award. We've got used to thinking about startups as unicorns. And, you know, I think it's all the e-commerce guys that come to mind, Flipkart, even Amazon. Among the Indian guys, we think of Make My Trip, Oyo. Our outstanding startup award is a bit counterintuitive in that sense that it's not a B2C company that's won it. It's it's actually a B2B company that created a marketplace for small and medium enterprises. It's a company called Power to SME, right? It's not a unicorn and it doesn't aspire to be one. It's still a scale and it's kind of going to touch 1,000 crore in revenue soon. And its target is to be 5,000 crore by 2021. That's pretty remarkable. And with minimal funding, right? I don't think they've attracted even 100 million in funding. You know, this is a company that's going by the old rules. They, I mean, not playing for valuation. They are actually playing to build up scale and to be profitable. They may not be profitable yet, but they certainly haven't racked up losses like some of the unicorns and B2C companies have. You know, so power to SME, that way, that way is a company that I'm, I'm really proud that the jury actually chose this one. It's a very eventful and a colorful uh, package, uh, and I'm sure the listeners would, uh, you know, pick this one up and uh, urging all of them. And also, do do leave your comments on on the podcast. Brian, uh, thank you very much for your time on on this one on an evening. Thanks, thanks, Abhishek. It's been great doing this. Thank you. Great. Uh, and all you listeners, you can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com as well as on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to five one eight one eight.